What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. Welcome back. Another episode, New York Real Estate Investing Show. Michael Pinter here with Greg Helbeck. And uh, we've got a great series we're going to start right now. It's the marketing. I, I wouldn't call it a mini series because we're going to go really deep on the marketing channels here. But the next sequence of episodes, we're going to take every marketing channel that we do that works. And we're going to talk about how it applies in New York, what to look out for, how to be you, successful with you it. Do the ones that don't work also. Talk about those. Yes, ones. yes, yes. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like door knocking. Now that works if you do it enough, but I don't do actually, door knocking. I'm actually doing that now. It's crazy. Though. You have a, you're doing it yourself or you have someone doing it for you? I have this kid. He said, I'll do anything for you. I said, okay, I'm going to print out 8,000 um, flyers. Yeah. Of me looking like an idiot. I go, you just stick it on people's door. And I was with a rubber band. I'll give you the rubber bands. I'll give you the pages. He goes, I'm in. Dude. Look at that's you. How that's that's, that's how I just got that deal in Roosevelt from him, from his stupid uh, thing. Oh, that, that was from that bullshit. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, Today, we're going to talk about direct mail, and that's Michael and I's probably, it's my favorite marketing channel. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Is that your favorite one? It's the one that's said, as you talk to people who are successful in this business, more and more uh, of those will tell you that it's what always has worked and will and is continuing to work. So yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, for sure. And I think the direct mail, it scares a lot of people out, whether they're new or experienced, because it is, I've found that it is a little bit more expensive than obviously the telemarketing bullshit, which we'll talk more, about. It's a lot more expensive. A lot more expensive, um, but it, it, it's it's a very consistent, predictable channel. And the biggest thing I like about direct mail, and we'll go into detail, is the U.S. Postal Service will, in my opinion, never be out of business in the next fifteen years. Right? No, never. By the way, never. our our great great grandchildren will still have will still have the the postal service. So let's just I'll let you kick off if someone's listening, they don't even know what direct mail is. I'll let you start to kick it off, and then we'll start to just go deep and and, and talk about the application in the business. Sure. So let's talk about what a few reasons. Mail? Few reasons. What is mail? So mail is a, a postcard or a letter. I'm going to just grab my. I have stacks and stacks of return mail there. So it's like a postcard. This is one I sent out like five months ago. It says, "Hi, my name is Michael Pinter. I want to buy your house at this address. I'll pay you cash." Blah 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 blah, and that's it. And I think a lot of people get hung up on what the mail piece says, or whether letters or postcards. And I honestly, I'm a postcard guy. I know you're a postcard guy, um, because it's cheaper and. Um, it's, it, it is the tried and now it's one of the reasons why it's a tried and true method is because it was around before cold calling was easy and before you can, uh, before the technology existed to, to text uh, massive amounts of people and before PPC existed, people were sending out mail. But the truth is that the vast majority of the people that we buy houses from are older and mail still has a lot more weight with them. So you'll get young kids coming into the business at 22 years old and they'll go like, I don't even read my mail. Right. All my bills come electronically. Why would anybody do that via mail? And that and we do that a lot as we project how we feel um, in a marketing situation on, uh, when may not might not necessarily be how the way our, our target prospects feel. So mail 
works. I'm a big believer in mail. I mail out thousands and thousands of postcards every week. And I mail to people uh, multiple times, but I guess we'll talk about, about that soon. And, you know, if you have a list of any people that are likely to sell for whatever reason, and we can talk more about lists, um, mailing them is a great way to do it. But the, another thing that it does, because it's expensive, right? If you have a list of 10,000, every time you're going to mail it, if you're sending out postcards, it's going to be $4,000. Um, it eliminates a lot of the newbies and uh, fly-by-night guys who won't be around in six months because they don't, they don't, they're not going to invest in it. Uh, or maybe they'll mail once and say, oh, it doesn't work. So um, I, I'm a huge believer in mail. And, if, and I, I would say not every, because there are guys who run their whole business, you know, spending a lot of money on pay-per-click, guys who are running really successful businesses. But I, it's, to me, it's rare, maybe nine out of 10 guys who are successful in this business who don't use direct mail as a, as a major lead channel, lead generation channel. Yeah, no, it's so true. And the, the thing you mentioned, a great point that I want to emphasize is like, a lot of people, as you would say, they cock around with mail. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll send out 5,000 postcards once, and then they'll stop. Not even. And, I, I know guys that will send out like 500 postcards. And they might as well say, give me the money, and I'll just go you know, buy a Rolls Royce deposit. So I, say, I say that all the time. I say, if you're going to mail once, you should really just not mail. Save mail your money. Out. Right. Save your money. And, and, and also, they'll mail to a small list, right? They'll get a list of something very specific, like vacant absentee owned properties in one zip code right and there'll yeah. be 327 of them and they'll mail it and lo and behold they won't get a deal from it and they'll be like this mail doesn't work it doesn't work yeah they, 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 they that's a big problem it's funny i was at a uh i'm a pretty competitive person you obviously are as well and i'm at a i'm at a seller's house last week and uh <laughs> she got like three marketing pieces for me and then she got two other ones from two of my buddies right they're my competitors but we're buddies like Devin. And what Devin one he he was one of them and then the other one was another friend of mine okay and I'm just like you know she'll probably sell me the house ultimately in my opinion you know I think I can I can close that deal but I just know for a fact that I am in direct mail for the long haul and because of the consistency and the fact that I'm going to mail that person over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and I have a lot of experience doing it and I've studied it it, it, it's almost like it's insurance to where a lot of people like they might not get a deal from their first mail drop and they freak out, but I'm mailing someone five to six times. I know over the course of that campaign, it's going to become profitable. And that is where people get hung up. So the first point we're going to make, and you just said the point about two minutes ago is like, if you're not going to mail at least five to six times, don't even waste your time. And here's why. So people hear that statement. They're like, what the hell? Here's why. why. If I'm mailing to people who want to sell, they should they, they, they should, should want to sell right away. <laughs> Drop your pants and sell me, you know, like, come on. But the bottom line is this. I've noticed that you say this all the time and it's true. It, there is a luck factor to this, this direct mail thing. And that's where people don't understand. It is a timing situation. It's timing, a little bit of luck. But if you're sending out volume and units of mail, you're increasing the chances of the timing and the luck working out in your favor. You obviously can't control that. But I'll tell you where most of my direct mail deals come from. They go... Greg, I got your fifth postcard. Uh, my tenant has stopped paying me and I, I don't want to mess with this. And if I just mailed them three times, they might not even have called me and that would turn into a $40,000 deal. So you have to know with direct mail, there's going to be a luck component to it. But if you don't have enough units in the mail going out to the mailboxes, you're putting yourself in a statistical low probability of a deal because it's just, sure. the thing with mail is it's just math at the end of the day. That's why I really like it. It's very logical very math driven. There's not a lot of fanciness to it. It's very simple. 
And like, what are, what are some of your, like, direct, like what, what, what are your thoughts on what I just kind of said? Cause obviously. So three, I so three things. First, so I believe direct mail needs to be sent, like you said, five or six times mm-hmm. for two reasons, the luck factor for sure. Right. You have oh, that yeah. mail piece has to hit the day that his tenant said he's not paying the day that his roofer told him what he thought was going to be a $500 repair is an $18,000 ripoff and replace <laughs> day where he just decides not to do it. That's one big factor is luck. The second factor is when you mail someone multiple times, like we're talking about, it really sends them a message that A, I really want your house. And B, I'm not like that jerk that mailed you once a year ago and never mailed you again. So the people see it. And, and, and let's be honest, most of them just toss your card in the garbage. But that day where either of some event happened where he might want to sell or he changed his mind or decides he's got to move down south, whatever it is. Um, the fact that he got it again, he's like, you know, this guy, there's something there, right? I'm not, I'm not just some putz who mailed you once and never mailed again. I mailed you a bunch of times. It's not cheap. Right? You get people screaming, calling. Oh, let's talk about the bad, the bad part of mail. We'll talk about later. So that's the, 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 luck, the luck factor and the, the consistency, which conveys a message that you're serious. But also, we, talk, we didn't talk about sample size. So we said that there are a lot of people that dabble in mail. So they'll throw out 300 postcards and say mail sucks. But you need a pretty big sample size, right? You need to send out thousands of pieces every month or as, or as frequently, and we should talk about frequency soon. Um, you need to send them out to know what's going on because you know, you're, you're not even getting a 1% response rate today. That's, that's pretty much wow. a given. You're getting less than that. Um, and some of those responses are going to be taken off your list. So you have to work with bigger num- bigger sample sizes to get the kind of results that anybody's looking for. 100%. In my opinion, in, in, in our area or in California or any, com- not competitive, in any expensive area of the country, you need to be, in my opinion, you, if you're not sending at least 10,000 units out, you, you, you don't even have a chance. Like, you, I'm not saying you don't have a chance, but you're, it's going to take you so long to convert that campaign like in my opinion, if you're not committed to sending at least ten thousand out uh, over the course of a campaign, which we'll get into structuring, you're you're just you're putting yourself in a situation where, like, let's say you 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 want to get to the goal in in six months. If you're not willing to send at least ten thousand units out, it's probably going to take you twelve months, right? If you're sending three thousand, might not happen at all. I mean, you don't even know if you don't have a big enough sample size. You don't even know if your list stinks. Yes, if theoretically, if your mail piece stinks. If, or, or you, you know, you could be just literally wasting your money, right? You may, they, they may have sent you the wrong list. They may have sent you a list of people that are super happy and you won't know if you send that 300 of them, right? I could send that a list of 300 of the hottest leads in the world and nobody's going to call me, right? But if I send out a list of, of 10,000 to people that are likely to sell for whatever reason, either something to do with them or something to do with the property, then I'll, I'll, I'll get a better idea of what's going on. 100%. So let's get into the list component now, because that's something in, that's specific to New York State where, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about why lists are different in New York, and then we'll expand on what lists to mail and what lists we mail. So in, in, in New York specifically, the thing I've noticed, especially with getting like niche data, is that all of the, there's basically, there's town, so there's counties, and then there's towns. And then there's villages. There's some cities. Sometimes but, there's cities, there's villages. Yeah. Yeah. There's all this Hamlets, whatever the hell you call it. Hamlet, Hamlet whatever. <laughs> so at the end of the day, the data is usually controlled by the smallest organ. So let's, if it's the Hamlet of uh, whatever, if it's the village of uh, whatever. So when you call up a village and you say, hey, I want to get all the code violations in your village, they're going to tell, most likely in New York, they're going to say, we don't have that or we're not going to give that to you. Correct. Right. So you're going to get that a lot. 
So because of that, you can still get niche lists. You got to go to the right sources. Like for example, if you're in Orange County, New York, and you want to get the tax delinquent list, you got to go to the commissioner of finance and buy that list. And it's a pain in the butt to like convert into like a real spreadsheet, but that's how you get it. But if you want to go into Suffolk County, it's very hard to get the tax delinquent list in Suffolk County. And that's so it's almost impossible. They, list, almost they impossible. release it once a year and the, it's never, ever going to be available other than that one time a year. And that exactly. list is only, that list is not delinquent taxes. There's only taxes that have become, are becoming liens. And half of those people on the list are going to pay it off before it even goes to auction. So you've got this massive list of crap, which is not really accurate. And there's, and there's a lot of niche lists that are just not available in our area. They're just not available. Yeah. The buildings department won't give you them or whatever. And that's okay. And then that's why people don't like doing business in New York because they think it's too hard for some reason, which is not true, which we've talked about in a different episode. So at the end of the day, here are the lists that I like to mail. I do like the tax delinquent list depends on the area I'm mailing. You know, if, if I'm going to mail tax delinquent list in Westchester County or Suffolk or Rockland, it's going to be hard to get that. But I know in Orange County and Dutchess County, I can get that list. So I like to mail because I mail in volume and I mail in bulk. I like absentee owners. I like people who have owned their property for a specific length of time, usually at least 15 years, because that tells me that, okay, there's probably equity and there's probably some deferred maintenance, depending on where the, like if it's in a certain zip code, I'll know that like, okay, there's shittier houses over here due to the economic scenario. So I, I really like absentee owners, Michael. And another list I like is the unknown equity list, which is a glorified absentee owner list where the, the county just doesn't know if there's equity because it's so it's been owned for so long. Those are lists I like to mail. I mean, what about you down in, uh, in Long Island? So like, it's even harder for me to get niche data here, but um, the general lists I'll, I'll run are the ones you said. So elderly, older people who've been in the house for a long time. Yes people under some kind of economic distress. So listability has that ESI index. So people- Yeah, yeah, I know that. And- um, Email absentee owners? Absentee owners. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll stack them on those lists and look for people that are absentee. It depends how big we get. But yeah, that, that's a list I'll mail to. But I, I also pay for predictive data because I'm, I'm so starved for data in my area. I'll pay a, a provider like Odantic uh, a lot of money to come up with a predictive data set, which they will never tell me what that prediction is, but oh, they'll tell me what the prediction is. They'll just never tell me how they get it. So what they say they do is they analyze properties that they feel sold to a to an investor in the past, right? Because they believe it sold at a discount to something to a to an LLC, and then they'll try to analyze data points and predict which people will sell to the future. I've had good luck with the Audantic list, but it doesn't work everywhere. I know people had tried it in like Texas and it didn't work. Yeah. But I'm, 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 I'm good with the Audantic list. It's not, it's not cheap. I mean, it costs over $40,000 a year. So most people are not going to do it No. Um, but that's, that's where I get a lot of my data from. What do you it, it, like with the Audantic list, for example, do they cap, like how many people will they give that out to in Nassau or Suffolk County? Cause there's it's three million they, people on the island. It used to be exclusive with one. Then immediately after I signed up, a competitor of mine signed up. So then they said it was two, but I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. They might be back to one. I'm hoping they don't sell it to anybody else, to be honest with you. Um, but I can't, I can't uh, control that. Um, yeah, no, that, 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 and at the end of the day, like we said earlier, like there is a luck and a timing factor to it. So I'll give you an example. There are, you know, me and my buddies and, you know, if me and Michael mailed the same list, let's say we, we both mailed some big lists in Nassau County. I might get some deals on that list that Michael mailed to that, that might not have even called Michael. And then the, the, the reverse is also true. Absolutely. We can both mail the same list, call the same list. There are people you will talk to that I will never, ever get in contact with. And the people I will talk to, you will never get in contact with ever. 
That's yeah. just that's just a fact. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. So at the end of the day, like don't think because a lot of people are doing direct mail that it doesn't work, especially in New York, because we did a podcast with Jeremiah Dalton last week and we were talking just about how it is so much different in New York, which pretty much allows for a, a more blue ocean. So in Nassau and Suffolk County, there's 3 million people and there's five or six guys that do it systematically. I think there's five, five guys there's who direct, five. go direct to seller. Think about that. 3 million five. people, five people going direct to seller. Now, I'm not saying there aren't fly-by-night guys who will send out a postcard or who will make a cold call or will pay for PPC, but they're not really doing it significantly in any consistent way. I, 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 don't, I don't mind those guys. Let them spend their money. They're, and they're going to, they, 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 unless you're committed to doing this for 12 to 18 months, you're not going to see any real results. So I'm not worried about these guys. They come and they go. Yeah. hundred percent. So at the end of the day, like you got to understand with direct mail, like to make this actionable so far, you got to be mailing for the long term. And in my opinion, if you're not committed to mailing for at least six to nine months at very minimum, if not at least a year, save your money because at the end of the day, you're, you're, the, the, the response rates are not going to be in your favor if you're not committed to the long haul. So let's talk about when, let's say someone listens to this, they're inspired, they want to send the mail out, they have money to do it. What should they expect in terms of not a response rate because we covered that, but like the types of calls you're going to get when you mail, because that's something that also throws people off their horse. Right. So you, you have to be ready for negative calls, right? There's going to be a lot of calls and, and it doesn't make sense to you and me, right? Like if we got a, something in the mail that said, hey, you want to buy your house and I wasn't interested in selling, I tossed the I toss it and I never in a million years think about calling the guy and telling him to take, make me off the list. I care less. Right? He's spending the money on postage. If I don't want to sell, I'll just throw his postcards out every month. But you will get angry, angry people screaming at you. And what I used to do is I used to send, I don't know if I have any of those postcards a long time ago where they were Street View postcards. So it used to have the Google Street oh, View on it because I thought, I thought that was a better way. Like it was a thing. Oh, this is my house. But I got so many calls and my leads manager was talking to so many people who were asking about the picture. How'd you get the picture? That's the wrong picture. That's my neighbor's house. You had to be standing on my neighbor's roof to get that picture. Some kind of crazy things that we would get. And I just was like, I don't need to waste my leads manager's time on this. So I just, I send just regular postcards now. Like you saw the, they're called doodle postcards. Um, so you're going to have to be ready for people to call you and say, first, take me off. So listen, I'm fine. I'm 100% fine with somebody. You get reasonable people that say, hey, I'm not selling. Can you take me off your list? And I'm like, great. Just give me your address. I'll never mail you again. But then you get people who start screaming. Why did you send it to me? Who told you I wanted to sell? Did you see a sign in front of my house? Who do you think you are? And I'm like, sometimes I'm at a loss, right? And I try not to take those calls. And I, what I do now is when they call in on a mail number, I say, if you're interested in being removed, press one sends them to a voicemail where I apologize. And I say, just leave me your address. I'll take you off. If you're interested in selling your house, press two. And then I want, the, I only want my leads, my lead intake team. Cause I, I just hired a bunch of people doing lead intake. I only want that team talking to people who want to sell a house. Now, of course, some people will still get pissed off and hit two and say, and start screaming, but very uh -huh. rare. So I yeah. want to minimize that. I got that from Jason Lewis. And I think it's really good because it's a net, it's a downer. Like I, I, I've talked to people and I, I screwed up my mood for an hour. Right? I remember Recently, I, someone, I texted someone, different, with not different podcast, but text someone, she called me to basically lecture me on how texting is not a way I should be marketing. Now, what I should have said is, I'm so, I apologize, just uh, let me get your number and I'll take you off. But I, I didn't. I was like, so I think I went like, oh, and she goes, oh, am I bothering you? And I said, miss, if you don't want me to text you, I'll never text you again. I said, but I do, just don't want to listen to a lecture about how I do business. 
and she got offended. And I was, I shouldn't have said that, right? I was just so yeah. pissed off because it's just, it's just a downer. So yeah, me too. It happens to me all the time, dude. It happens right. to the best of us. Right. I should have just said, you're right. I'm sorry. And I, I, she was calling me from like a design company. And I was about to say, I'm not going to tell you how to design things. Don't tell me how to market for, for, for deal. But I, I didn't say that, but what I said was wrong. And I should have just, I should have had more class, right? I lost my cool for a second. Um, but in, in mail, you have to be prepared for some angry, angry, angry people. You're going to get people who scream at you to take them off the list and then not tell you the address. And I that say, happens them, a lot. I say, how, how do you want me to take a list? If, if, if I don't have your address, she goes, well, you mailed me, you know, my address. I said, I mail 5,000 cards a week. She's like, well, you still know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, um, I get that a lot, man. We get these pissed off people in like Rockland and Westchester where the houses are expensive and they're just like, you know, I, I think you become numb to it as you do it more. You know, it's just sure. part I'm of not, business. You and I are much better at it. It's not going to screw it up. But sometimes somebody will just put you in a bad mood, which is why if there's any way you can via technology uh, re- minimize that, I, I advise you to. So if you have call rail or any kind of call flow system, I do it through my CRM. But I would advise you to just say, hey, uh, do a if you could do a, uh, what's it called? IVR. Uh, an IVR when they first call in. Hey, uh, We'll get, get to you in a minute, but if you want to be removed, press blah. And if you want to sell a house, press blah. It's It definitely minimizes that time. But if you're just starting out and you don't have a call system or anything like that, you have to absolutely expect some some negative calls. It's just part of the business. A hundred percent. I've had people call me just to put icing on the cake here. I had people call me. Well, I've had attorneys call me representing their clients, threatening. I've had the police call me. I've had people saying, if you send me another mail, I'm going to, you know, do whatever bad thing to you. Like you you got to expect nut jobs to call you. And at the end of the day, I remember one time, this is right when I started learning how to do sales and negotiating. I remember I talked this guy off the ledge. He was so angry at me. And I said, listen, it sounds like you're really upset that I, this is Chris Voss stuff. I said, listen, it sounds like you're just super upset with emailing you. And it sounds like I'm the last guy you want to talk to. And um, great. You know, I, I really apologize. And he's like, well, you know, I just, I don't, it, and all of a sudden he opened up and he didn't end up being a deal, but at least he wasn't like trying to come to my house with a pickaxe or something like that. You know, so Gar- Gary Boomershine tells a famous story of the house that he, I think he lived in where yeah, he the, sold it for like a million dollar profit. The woman, yeah, the woman was going off on him and he, you know, he's really, he's really good. And he said, um, he said to her, I, I, I understand. I'm not, I'm not going to mail you again, but I'm just curious if I wanted to get in touch with you to buy your house, What's a better way for me to do that? Should I have stood out in front of your car and waited for you to come in the morning? Should I put a billboard across the street from you? He goes, what, what would you have suggested? And then she also opened up. But that, the Chris Voss stuff is the great with the mirroring and the labeling is awesome. Oh, um, I don't use it enough and I really should because it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant? The lab- labeling is brilliant, right? When someone's upset at you and you say, it sounds like you're really upset or someone is, you know, whatever, just just labeling how they feel is an incredibly uh, incredibly effective tool to get somebody to open up to you. Totally. It sounds sure. like you've really been able to embrace the Chris Voss stuff and use it to benefit your business. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I used it more. I just used it on you. <laughs> I know you did. And I'm saying I, it works. So I, I feel so yeah. open and honest with you right now. <laughs> no, it's so good. I'm listening to that book again now for like the millionth time, but yeah. uh, you know, so let's talk, about, let's talk about the positives direct mail. Like when you get a good call, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of cover that. So at the end of the day, with my system, when someone calls in, it goes to, everything goes to voicemail. I don't know what answers live. Um, and I, I found that to be a little bit better because it, you know, if it, you have a lead manager or if you're doing it yourself, 
I don't like pick unless it's a PPC lead or something or SEO lead. I don't want it going directly to my cell phone because at the end of the day, 90% of the calls are not urgent. They might be important, but they're not urgent. So I don't want to be like doing this podcast and, Hey, this is Greg. I'm doing a podcast. Let me call you back. That like kind of just burns your energy out. So I send everything to voicemail and this is the voicemail. It says, Hey, this is Greg. Thanks for calling up. If you have a property that you want to sell, please leave your name, the full property address, including the city, state, and zip, and the best number to call you back, and someone will get back to you immediately. And I found the compliant responsers are like, my name's Bob Jones. Better deals. I live on 123 Apple Street at, you know, in, in uh, Centerport, New York, 12574. The best number to reach me is uh, 516-718-4455. And I know with that voicemail, at least they can go into the system. We can get a snapshot of what's going on. And they're, when, when they get called back, there's a very low chance they're going to be pissed off that you're on the phone with them. They're going to be, hey, thanks for getting back to me. I you know, left you that voicemail. Um, let me tell you a little bit about my property. And you're going to have a much better conversation when the seller just leaves a compliant voicemail. However, I will say this. I bought smoking deals from people who didn't even leave a voicemail. They hung up. They called, they hung up, they got called back and all of a sudden they sold us the house at a crazy price. So don't think that if you have hangups and missed calls, you shouldn't call them back because sometimes those are some of the juiciest deals. They just, maybe they don't have time or they're not in the location where they can talk. And uh, you know, it, it, what do you what do you do with the hangups and the missed calls? How does that work? I call them back, but I try to answer my calls live, right? So I have a lead into the team to answer live. I believe it's it's a little better. Now it may not, may not be better for you, um, but I think I've had too many of those people who called, hung up, or left a message, and then I and then you can't I can't get in touch, with, in touch them. with them, right? Yeah. So I want I I prefer to answer everything live if I can, right? There's a there's a cost to that. Right? I have to pay people to answer the phone live. Um, but I I'm I'm still a bigger believer in answering live if possible. But the the voicemail does not not work. It's just a different way to look at it, right? You're making an active decision to not pay somebody or pay multiple people to answer the phone all day. Um, and the people who leave a message are good, but you have to, anybody who calls on a mail line gets called back for me. Like I'll, immediately I've, I have now have three people on lead intake. If we get a, a no contact made lead. So somebody who let's say we haven't touched yet. I tell all three people to try and touch them three times a day. So they're getting nine calls, maybe nine texts. And yeah. my, my number has gone down much, much lower. Like I'm attacking that because yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said in the speed to lead for sure. Oh, it's huge. It's humongous. And I found like the typical mail call, hey, they leave their information, you call them back, you have a call, and then you, you figure out a next step, depending on what your business is, which we're, we've done podcasts on that. But at the end of the day, if you set your expectations right, when you do the mail, you're not going to be disappointed. Because if you know that it's going to be hard, and you're going to get a lot of bad calls, but you're going to get a lot of good calls from it. You're, 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 you're going to be in a better space to succeed but versus thinking like i'm going to send 300 vacant house mailers and i'm going to get two six-figure wholesale deals you're you're just, you're barking up the wrong tree hey maybe that happens you know maybe once in a while Could. you get lucky Could. but you're not playing the odds in your favor even, so even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while that's true especially with three million people on long island you know it's there's a lot of nuts out there i can say that for sure by the way i was driving dude i was driving back i was there a couple of weeks ago with naman our buddy and uh Dude, people in Long Island drive like nut jobs, dude. I'm on, I was on the Southern state driving back to the cross I'm Island. 
I'm one of them. I drive pretty crazy. Dude, it's just like nut job central. I'm like, man, these Long Island people are freaking crazy. Have you ever man. been to Salt Lake City, Utah? Because I was there about a Yeah, month yeah, ago. I've been there. So That's the speed a limit place. everywhere there is like 75, like yeah. on everything. And people, I, I thought I drive crazy. These people were passing me when I was going 90. They were go, they were passing me. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy out. Yeah, that's, that's it. Salt Lake City is kind of a weird place. I went actually went to Park City. And I didn't really like Salt Lake City. I was there for a night coming to New York. And Park City's a lot. Of, Park City's a lot nicer. I was in Park City in January. And I was in Salt Lake City a, a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So Park yeah, City's a lot nicer. Those West, the people out West are just so different. I've noticed they're yeah. just they're different mindset. But let's 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 start to wrap up the show here. We're gonna cover one more thing. I want I always like to use case studies and examples to drive home what we're teaching, so people can like see this theory that we're, we're talking about and I can wrap sure. a bow around it with a deal. So I'll share a deal. Michael will share a deal specifically from mail. I'll tell you the skinny on it and uh, how much money we made, not to brag, but to, to, to inspire. So I ne- I'll never forget this one. This was direct mail. This lady got my sixth postcard. I said sixth, not first. She said, Hey, I uh, got this property in New Windsor. I want to sell it. I have not paid my taxes. I want to get to North Carolina. Uh, the property needs some work and basically uh, come over and make me an offer and I'm willing to sell at a discount. And I said, all right, cool. So went over there, talked to the lady. She was pretty open to selling. You know, there was not a lot of resistance. We ended up getting it under contract and we made like 75 grand. If I kept the property right now, I would have made 150 grand. So I'm kind of stupid for flip. We fixed and flipped it. Um, but anyway, the point of that is that she got my sixth postcard. So if I mailed her five times, I wouldn't have made 75 G's, right? So at the end of the day, that's where the timing comes in. Hey, mail touch one, two, three, four, and five. They might not, it might not have hurt bad enough at that point, but when she got number six, for some reason, she said, Hey, I want to sell to you and I'm, I'm willing to do business right away. So that just shows the listener, you got to be committed for the long haul with direct mail because you're just you're, you never know when they're going to be ready to sell and you've got to set your, the odds up in your favor. And that was a super profitable deal. I remember there was this funny side note on that deal. She like, she said the house needed a lot of work and like it needed some work, but it wasn't that bad. And I'm like, what are you talking about lady? So we ended up closing like, with cash right away. Like we just took it down. It was a smoking deal. We're like hundred grand. I'm like, fuck, it, we're just going to buy it. So we take this thing down and I'm like, what the fuck was she talking about? Like, this thing is fine. Like did a little rehab on it. And all of a sudden I get a call and it's like, Hey, Greg, you got to pump the basement out. And I'm like, I'm in California. I'm like, what are you talking about? There was a basement that she basically covered up. I had no idea this thing existed. It was, behind was the basement? House. <laughs> yeah, fucked up. Didn't, I never went in the basement. Cause I'm like, ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. And this thing was filled with water. You could have put a boat down here and uh, man, fucking mold. We gutted the whole thing. And it, we ended up doing well on it, but like it, it kind of log jammed us up for like another, you know, couple months. So um, I know why she sold it to me now. I'm like, oh, no shit, you sold it to me. This thing was fucked up, you know? But uh, anyway, so I digress. Mike, let me hear a direct mail case study from you. I'm going to do the most recent direct mail deal I closed. So it was uh, about a month ago. Um, deal in Bethpage is a really good area. Oh, um, man. Gol- I got to go. I'm going to go golfing there soon. There's like seven courses. Bethpage there. Black. Bethpage Black is really That's nice. That's hard. Oh, it's long, super long. Um, so... Uh, Woman calls me, says that they inherited a property. It was parents' house. House is really old, terrible condition. And they they repeated to me like a hundred times, you know, we may just fix it up and do the work ourselves. <laughs> but when somebody says that, I know they're they full don't of shit. Do the work themselves, right? Exactly. So I'm like, okay, let me go see it. I go see it. Yeah, it's not in good shape, but it's in it's a huge lot. The property is in a terrible position. It's all the way in the back. There's like a there's like a hundred foot front yard and like a six inch backyard. But 
it's still in a great area and I'm looking at it. I go, I, I, I make the offer. I go, and I have to negotiate with, the, with all three siblings. They all want me to talk to them. I have to get them all on the phone. I got it, got, got it for a price that seemed good. I put it out there and uh, I made like 50 grand wholesaling it. And I had, I had 17 offers on it. I mean, I went with what I thought was the best offer, but it was a simple deal. I mean, it was, it's simply, we, I provided the convenience and certainty that they couldn't get. There was no way they were going to do work to it. And there were, and there were people who, who passed on it because of the position of the property. Like, you know, we think about this, like, I may not want a property that's all the way in the back. I may want prefer a backyard or a front yard, but some people just don't care. And, and you just need one cash buyer that's going to pay you what you want. Who's going to be okay. So the house needed a lot of work, but it was a tip. That's a typical deal. They were, they were never going to do the work to it. House needed significant work. And it's a $50,000 wholesale deal, straight up, simple and easy. Did you compete with anyone on that? Or were you the only guy in town? Only guy. Only guy in town. Beth Page, New York, expensive real estate, right? By I, I would say, I, I would say um, still more than two thirds of the time, I'm the only guy making it off. That's amazing. That Isn't is great. Freaking amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I doesn't go, I don't take that for granted. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. No, that's, that's incredible. Now with, with Beth, can you knock, could someone knock that down and put a new spec? Cause the lot's huge or is it? It not could at that yeah. price, it would be a little tight. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember what the hell price I got it at. Where is it? Um, so, I mean, I, I got it for like 380 and I sold it for like 430 at 430. Maybe it's possible. I don't think the guy I sold it to was going to do that at like 350. If I had put it out, if I had got it for 300, put it out for 350, I would have had builders all day uh, coming. But at 430 up there, it would be tight. But the guy, I, I knew that the value of the lot was almost 380. Like I looked at it as if I can't find somebody to wholesale it, I'm not going to lose a lot of money because I could sell to a builder for like 360, 370. Like I yeah. love doing that. Like I look at land value a lot and I say, what's my real downside here? And if I, if I have minimal downside and good upside, I'll, I'll go into a deal. But, but, mail, but that's how mail works. Like this was a deal that just was, it was, you know, the other ways were not going to work. It's three siblings. If I would have cold called one of them, they would have looked at me weird. One of the, the brother who sort of knew what was going on, got the mail. I think he was the executor of the will. He showed it to the other people. He's like, this, this schmuck wants to buy our house. Should we talk to him? And that was, that's how it works. That's amazing. I, I think it was the third, I think it was the third postcard he got. Third post. Exactly. That's, that's the big thing. It's like the, the third postcard he got, he called you. I remember the mail, the one I got was the sixth one. It was a tax delinquent list. And she was living in that. Normally, I don't really buy properties from people who live in them for some reason. A lot of them are absentee owners because I mail a lot of them. But you, you never know until you just send the mail. So hopefully the listeners got some value today. They understand the ins and outs of direct mail. We're going to continue this marketing series. We're going to cover in our next marketing channel, obviously, on the next episode. Wait, so before you want to talk about do you want to talk about just the service providers that we that, that, that Oh, yes. We, we, for we can mention that. Yes. Right. Yes. Let's get because into I that. Want, I want people to know, like, I don't sit there licking stamps and, no, and no. right now postcards, right? We, no, both no, use, no, no, no. we both use large mail. You there? You froze. Oh, Mike, you froze. Mike froze. We're going to wait for him to join. Hey, what's up? Hello. 
Hey, let me, just give me one hey. second. Bye. We're good. Internet at, we're good. We're good. So, so, so the service provider, sorry about that. We're back. Yeah. So I'm saying, I don't, Greg and I don't sit there licking stamps and writing out postcards, right? We use service providers. There are probably a dozen major mail houses. I use Yellow Letter HQ. Who do you use? Open? Uh... So I use a few. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I go all across this. So Yellow Letter HQ is a phenomenal company. They're actually out of San Diego. They're probably 25 minutes from where I am right now. I'm up in Carlsbad. Um, so, so yellow or HQ is great. They have great pricing and, uh, we, we both know the owner Todd very well. He's in uh, our mastermind. I used yellow letter HQ. I also use a few other companies as well. So I use a company called open letter marketing. They're out of Massachusetts. They got great, great products as well. Very similar in terms of the pricing. Good friends with the owner as well. <laughs> it's all about who, you know, around here. And then another company I use as well for postcards is called postcard mania. And they're a little bit cheaper than both of the other guys. And um, I buy like a lot of bulk product from them. So I'll buy like 50,000 units at a time. And, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll kind of test around, but I, I just placed an order with, actually I placed two orders with Yellow HQ last week, a postcard. I mean, I, I'm like a mail whore, you know, I just mail all over the place. Um, but at the end of the day, I would advise someone to not try to do it on their own, unless they're flat broke. I used to handwrite letters when I was like 20 years old. But once I started getting some money in the bank, I'm like, all right, fuck this. I don't think it's cheaper. I mean, they get such discounts on the postage yeah. and everything. Like I pay, we, I pay, we, we, we both pay 30 something cents for a postcard. Like the postage with the postcard is already 20, 30, it's already cents. 20 cents. Yeah. Yeah. So how much are we spending really for the card? And also the mail piece is something that they've used before and that, that, right. You can use, it really doesn't matter which mail piece you use. I know people spend a lot of time obsessing over what goes on in the mail piece, but it almost doesn't matter what you write. It's just, just sending the message that you're interested in buying the house. So. Your mail piece could literally say, hey, Peckerhead, I just got out of jail. I got a huge criminal record. Um, my family hates me. I haven't but, fed my dog in two days. But I, I got some cash. But I got some cash. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously I'm kidding about that statement, but I'm trying to just drive a point home. Like at the end of the day, if someone wants to sell, they're going to call you. And I, I used to, you know, one more quick story. This is so funny. I know we're getting towards the end of the hour. I know, here, what, I know what you're going to say. I, uh, <laughs> this is so stupid here. So I was... I really like marketing and copywriting and, you know, all that type of stuff. So I, uh, I was going through some Dan Kennedy copy or I read some Dan Kennedy book on sales copy and I'm like, all right, I'm going to test this shit out. So I, I came up with a postcard on my own and the front of the postcard said, if you want top dollar for your property, don't call this postcard with a fucking massive don't. And then the back was like, it was yellow, but it looked like throw up this thing. Looked like this, it looked like this notebook here. It was this color. And the back of the postcard, I had like a little sales letter I wrote. And it was like basically explaining to them how I can add value to them. And also there was a whole paragraph. I'm like, if you want more top dollar, do not call me. If you think you're going to call me and get a premium offer, don't call me. Um, basically, I got like three phone calls and one of them was a lead and I pissed away $1,000. So the point of that is here's the deal with direct mail. This is another thing that people, I, I forgot to mention, it's very important. You want to shoot for the response, right? Like don't, I wouldn't recommend sending a dumbass postcard like I sent because you're literally going to get fucking no one calling you. So you just <laughs> want to make the offer a general offer. Hey, I'm looking to buy some homes. 
Um, call if you want to consider selling your property. So there's less resistance there. That's like the science of that. There's less resistance for like, oh, just I want to hear an offer. Let me call in. That's going to be your response rate. Don't tell them about everything you're going to do before you get them in the door because then they're not going to call you because they're like, unless you get some random nut job living in a shack that, you know, so you're really, it, right. you got to just make sure you're, you're putting a general message out there and then and whatever, they're going to call. And whatever mailhouse you use, you could just ask them for stock postcard that they use oh, I, yeah. I, I just pick something that they use that i know that works because they wouldn't keep offering it if it doesn't work and exactly and it almost doesn't matter it almost doesn't matter what it says and that's something that a lot of people can't even understand i know it but it's it, true it, it, it's just at the end of the day it's a timing bit it's the timing situation hey i gotta put this guy wants to buy my house i have a house that i want to sell or at least hear an offer on call in go through the process and then you go from there but at the end of the day don't don't overcomplicate it. And at the end of the day, here one more metric I want people to track, and then we'll wrap the show up with a nice bow. You want to track the amount of money you spent, the amount of calls you got, the amount of leads you got from those calls, because not every call is going to be a lead. And then out of those leads, how many deals did you get and how many offers, how many, how much money did you make? Right. Because I, I track offers completely separately because there's a shitload of channels I do. But at the end of the day, money spent, units mailed out. Calls, leads, deals, money. If you track those metrics and you measure them, you're going to be able to obviously, you know, look at the performance of that campaign from a pretty simple view. I agree. That is what, those are the things you have to track. Those are the things that I track. Absolutely. Well, that's another episode. We're wrapping it up here. Greg Helbeck with Michael Pinter. We're looking forward to the next marketing mini series we're going to be putting out to the show. And uh, Michael, hope you have a great day out in Long Island. You too, in sunny Southern California. I wish I was there. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye.